this morning. It really was a blessing just to be reminded of all these things, and there are so many more. I really do uh, challenge you to do what we talked about uh, this morning. Uh, I know there's a lot of verses, I understand that, but to go through and to think about what your father is would be uh, just, uh, I believe, a tremendous blessing, as uh, many of you seem to even indicate this this uh, this evening, just to be reminded about what our God does for us. And there are more. There are more in the, in the, the latter portions of the uh, New Testament as well. And probably even if you wanted to go into the 1,100 some odd times you would hear the word father, you might find a, a number of times, in fact, I know you will, in the Old Testament that we have descriptions of our God as well. Let's ask God to help us and give us understanding tonight as we dig into his word. And I got four things every dad should do. And then uh, uh, one other, I got two messages to put together, so I better get going. All right, let's pray together. Uh, Father, I am very grateful that you are such a, a wonderful heavenly father. Uh, thank you for the time you gave us this morning to reflect on that. And I pray that our time this evening would be uh, a help to all the, all the men, actually to everyone in this room. May we all think about um, not only a dad's responsibility, but as well to see the application that can be made to our lives uh, from what we will hear tonight from your word. And we'll thank you for it. We need your help now and need your understanding and wisdom and uh, need your spirit to guide us into truth and give us understanding. And we'll thank you for it. We look for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone was writing a book on parenting, and when it came time to give the book a title, uh, they took some of the different chapters they had written, and they came up with a great way to, if you would, sell the book. I, I think a catchy title, and here's how they, how they put it. Love them, lick them, and learn them. And in those three statements, we really have the God-given duty that all parents have in the matter of parenting. Now, these truths are found in Scripture. And on Father's Day, uh, I'd like to, I was nice to you this morning. No, I'd like to address those things uh, this evening. There's a number of reasons why. Uh, first, because it's going to lead into what we've been looking at, which is uh, the matter of ADHD. Yes, we're going to get back to that this evening and kind of finish that up. And I thought that it would be appropriate for us to take a little bit of time and look at uh, the subject of what God expects and what God wants. Uh, so uh, I wanted to deal with it for that reason. Another reason I thought it was important for us to deal with it on Father's Day is because God expects these things from us, all of us. Uh, secondly, or thirdly, I guess we'd say, society in many cases is ignoring these things. And, and the fruit of it is being seen in the way kids act. And it's not just... Uh, yeah, it seems like every generation, as they get older, look at the young people and say, "Why well, the young people of our day. Well, there's, there's some that are doing right, but there are a lot uh, that haven't been raised in a home where, where people have stay, families, couples have stayed together. Um, and a lot haven't had the kind of influences and kind of teaching they need. And it's being observed in our society. It's, it's affecting it greatly. Uh, another reason why I think it's important is we need reminders even if we're doing right. And then a, a fifth reason, a final, actually I had a couple more things, but uh, a fifth reason was these things are absolutely necessary for a happy home. And then finally, if you're going to direct your children the right way, you've got to be reminded of these things. Now I said four things every dad should know, but I only mentioned three, love them, lick them, learn them. 
there's, there's uh, one other important fourth L, and we'll mention that, okay? But there's another reason uh, to share this, um, and you might even be tempted to say, well, ah, I don't have any kids in the home. I don't have any family necessarily. Well, what I will tell you is that God works with us in these very ways. In fact, uh, we'll look at a few different verses that tell us that very important truth. And so, as we look at these four things and talk about maybe a father's responsibility and then get into, once again, the uh, ADHD and hopefully make a tie, tie between that, or um, let's see, e, um, uh, ECP, an especially challenging person, as we said, uh, as, we, as we look at that, um, I, I think you will, you will see uh, that not only the tie, but as well you'll see that God um, deals with us in that very same way. So l- let me just share with you the four responsibilities, and let's go over them real quickly. First, the dad needs to love his children. And what's interesting to me is when I look through the Bible, there is no direct command in Scripture that tells fathers to love their kids. So you might be tempted to say, well, then I don't have to. All right, uh, and, and maybe you would think, well, wait a second, if there's no specific command, why would you say this is a responsibility? Um, well, in Psalm 103, we have a verse that, that actually is what God does with us. Notice, if you would, the second part of verse 13. It says, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. So this is the way God works with us. And the word pity there in that, in that verse Uh, is interesting because it means to have an affection for, have compassion for, or to love deeply. So the Bible tells us that God, those that fear him, God has a special love for and a compassion for, and uh, and if you will, that that he is, um, he, uh, uh, if I can get that other thing, he has an affection for those who fear him. But if you look at the first part of the verse, what do we find? In illustrating this kind of pity, compassion, and and love, a deep love, he pictures what should be happening with a father and his child. And so, if you would, there is an indirect reference here and an indirect expectation that God would have. God says, hey, this is how fathers deal with their children, and this is how your heavenly father deals with you. Now, whether you had that or not, uh, the truth of the matter is God would certainly expect it if he's going to use that as an example in regard to the home. So dads need to love their children. Uh, In fact, in Ephesians 6, 1 to 4, where we have children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Another message that is often preached either on Mother's Day or Father's Day or both, uh, and it's probably needed on both. Uh, as those things are preached, later on it says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in what? Nurture and admonition of the Lord. God's nurture and admonition. Now, I would submit to you that if you're going to do the nurture and admonition, which nurture and admonition deal with uh, lick them and learn them? The next two points that are going to be talked about, it's dealing with those two words are interesting because they can use inter- be interchangeable as far as instructing to put place in the mind, one of the words literally is, and the matter of discipline. 
and both can be used interchangeably, and sometimes they are in Scripture. Sometimes they're referring to discipline. Sometimes they're referring to instruction. So spanking, what we'd say, call corporal punishment or whatever, and then the matter of uh, instruction. And so those two things are important to life. Now, uh, they're not just important to life, but here's the thing. In order to correct your child, you got to love them. Am I right? In fact, God says, if you love your kid, you will. If you're going to instruct them, you got to love them. And here's the reason why, because both those things are very hard to do. It is hard to discipline, discipline consistently, discipline correctly, and do the job that God would have you to do. And you got to love your kid to, to, if you would, suffer through the matter of discipline. And you've got to love your kid to take the time to instruct them in Bible truth and instruct them in the way of the Lord. That is not an easy task. You read Deuteronomy chapter 6 where God talks about uh, fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and tells them, you are to instruct your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren in the things of God and in the way of God and in the word of God. And you're to talk of them when you walk in the way. And you're to, and you're to present these things. Look, that just uh, gives the idea of a lot of work. And so you got to love them. So we could argue there's a number of ways in which God tells dads that they need to love their children indirectly, and then even as well in Psalm 103, 13, where he, kinda, he directly says this is what a father does, a proper father does for his child and what God does. Then you got to lick them. We're going to make this pretty simple because we need to move forward, all right? Then you need to lick them, and that's not lick them, okay? That is uh, spank them, correct them. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were just going with alliteration, I know. Uh, but uh, take a moment and look, if you would, at our, our Heavenly Father, and uh, how he ties this matter of discipline uh, to dads and himself. Hebrews chapter 12. Take a moment, would you? Hebrews chapter 12. We had a chance not too long ago, well, at least not too long ago to me, you probably forgot about it, but uh, not too long ago to look at Hebrews 12 in depth and to preach through it uh, and learn some very precious and valuable truths. But in this passage, he talks about the matter of chastening, about, about the matter of, of licking your child and, uh, and, and correcting them. And look, if you would, in verse 7. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. So God deals with his children as with sons. And what does he do? He spanks them, okay? He corrects them, uh, and he instructs them as well. But if you look in verse 7, Look at the end. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? I'll tell you what, a bad son is the one that a father doesn't chasten. Because a child left to himself is going to bring his parents to shame. Solomon wrote that, and it, it, uh, it has happened many times in, uh, throughout history. In verse 9 says this, Furthermore, we have had our fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Why? Because that's what they were supposed to do. Because that was their God-given responsibility. And so uh, a couple times God kind of makes this tie between a father and himself. God says in Proverbs 13, 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Uh, by, by the way, it carries the idea of many times. It carries the idea of often. Uh, B times, B times, however you want to pronounce it, uh, is an interesting word in Scripture. Early 
is actually a literal interpretation of that. And that uh, you know, I guess that means early every morning you just go ahead and spank them and then you get through the whole day that way because you took care of it in the morning, you know. Say, so just remember, I got you this morning. Uh, maybe, I, yeah, I don't know. But no, I do know uh, that shouldn't be your practice every morning. I, at least kids would beg you not to do that every morning. Okay, third thing a dad needs to do is learn them. And, and that means not, not learn your kid, okay, and learn what they're like, but God wants you to teach them. You got to throw out good grammar for that point. So uh, I guess the, the guy making that book slaughtered the, the king's English, as we might say. Um, but, you know, God commands a father to instruct. Remember Ephesians 6.4? We made reference to it already. But you're to bring them up, and you've said it, and you know it well, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And both words do carry the idea of instruction. We already said this, but it means literally, one of the words means literally to place in the mind. So I'm to place in the mind God's truth in the heart of my, my children. And that is a God-given responsibility that fathers have. And um, by the way, I, if, if Deuteronomy 6 is true, grandfathers and great-grandfathers, um, as God gives opportunity, should as well seek to instill Bible truth in those that God gives us the opportunity to have an impact on. And so we need to learn them. And we could spend a great deal of time in Deuteronomy 6. We don't have time, but I'd encourage you to read it and think it through because it really talks about how the Bible is supposed to be a part of, of everyday life in your home. Um, here's the truth. When, when you sit, when you walk, in, in every aspect, uh, Bible truth, God's truth, is to be brought up. And that uh, tells us a number of things. Again, I, I said we could preach on it all evening because there's so much to be said about it. But um, that would include having family altar. And I'm talking about a time when you and, you, as you and your family read the Word of God. And as a dad, you should do that. You should do that on a daily basis where the family gets together and you read the Word uh, together. It's an important thing, and dad needs to learn his kids, and that's one of the ways you do it. Have them in church. Uh, I'm thankful, and I've said it many times, but uh, we were in church as often as the pastor was in church, and my dad wasn't a pastor, but we were in church as often as the pastor was, probably more often, and we were there before the pastor got there, and <laughs> most of the time we were there until after the pastor had left uh, for the day, and mom and dad taught us to to uh, and as a kid, I didn't always enjoy that, but uh, like, just like chastening. But they taught us to love church, to love God's house, and to love the, the Word of God. They had us memorize Scripture and had us in programs like uh, Awana program. Uh, we, we had a, a little bit different program when we were growing up. Uh, but, uh, but nonetheless, it was Scripture memory. We were part of BMA. Anyone ever hear BMA? Yeah, you know, I think that's still around, actually. I think that still exists. The Bible Memory Association, you know what they had? They had, they had books that had scriptures, and they were uh, uh, often uh, united and tied with themes or whatever, and it was Bible memory. You would memorize those scriptures, and you'd say them. Actually, we said them to the pastor's, pastor's wife and uh, BMA, and it was a Bible memory program. We learned uh, Bible memory uh, at our, in our family altar. We would quote, say a verse 20 times together, and we would uh, take the Bible out or we'd have it, and then we would look away like you do in, in our, our time. We would do that every night, just memorizing the Word of God. Why? Because Dad took seriously this job of learning 
his kids. And he was taught that by his pastor. And you need to do that same. You need to learn them. And then the last L, the fourth L, just wanted to mention, is that you need to lead them. And we could argue again, this point, like the first, isn't specifically mentioned in Scripture. But take a moment, if you would, and go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Because I find it interesting that as my heavenly Father talks to me many times in Scripture, and as he is referenced in Scripture, um, he talks about the matter of children or fathers. And notice what he says in verse 1. Be ye followers, therefore, followers of God. How? As their children. So, so think about this. Although the command isn't there necessarily for dads, here's God saying, look, as, as children... Be a follower of God. Be a follower of your heavenly Father. Uh, why would he make that statement? Because we can make a tie, can we not? That a dad is supposed to be an example that a child can follow. I think it's interesting that, that a number of you said, I, I didn't grow up in a home where my parents were saved, but they, they gave me a good example in, in many ways. The fact that they stayed together was mentioned. The fact that they, they, although they weren't perfect parents, they did teach many good things by, by their example, and some even by their teaching and, and training in the words that they said. And that's what God wants from us. Understand this, that, that, and people have said it, you know, that, that uh, good living is more caught than taught. And it's true. Um, now, it needs to be taught, but it also needs to be seen. And so, uh, a dad needs to do those four things. And, um, and may we be challenged about that and reminded, reminded of it. So that is the duty of every father in this, uh, this room. And each one of those things, as I've said, could be a, a message preached in themselves. And they lead us to what we're dealing with as we've talked about ADHD or an especially challenging person, ECPs, as we say, because... You say, I don't even remember that. All right, it was back a few weeks ago. And as we've been dealing with and talking about and, and explaining ADHD and how um, even, even the world in their definition and is their explanation of ADHD, they tell us that it's not a disease. They really do. And many of the quotes that you can take from those who say, this is a disease, this is an illness that children have, they, they through their double talk, deny the fact that this is a disease. It ultimately is a problem of discipline. Every child is different as far as their ability to listen, to pay attention. But what is interesting is that if you'll be, if you'll be the kind of dad God talks about, you will be working at and dealing with many of the things that we've been sharing with you about how to help someone who has a problem paying attention. And, uh, and, and whether you want to say who has the sin of failure to pay attention, that's fine. I'd be okay with that. So let's go back and let's quickly, if you still have the outline, we're dealing with ECP. And we talked about a number of things already to in this last point, and we want to just deal with them real quickly and we'll be done, all right? As we try to help children, especially challenging children and by the way, even adults, although um, we wouldn't deal with all these things, you don't get out and spank an adult, okay? But as you deal with people who have, uh, who have issues paying attention, ECP people, all right, 
then um, uh, there are some things we want to do. An authority needs to remember God never gives them more than they can handle. So your, your kids aren't more than, than you can handle. And those who God has entrusted you to teach and train and work with, it's not more than you can handle because God never in life gives us more uh, than we can handle. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, he never puts us in a, in a room without a way of escape. God never gives us a temptation that is greater than, than what we can bear and we can please him in because he knows our frame and he remembers that we're dust. And so our God deals with us and we need to remember that and he always, he always gives us the grace we need when we don't have strength to, to complete and do the task we ought. Uh, the second thing we learned in dealing with them is you must determine no matter what, you're going to discipline lovingly, biblically, consistently, and sufficiently. And if you don't, um, then you're going to have you're going to have ECP problems. You really will. Uh, you'll have a child that is very challenging, and even uh, an adult or whoever you might be trying to help. Authority needs guidelines for discipline, and we talked about that. That God has given guidelines for discipline. It's the Bible, the Ten Commandments. They're guidelines for discipline. Here's what you do, and if you don't do this, uh, and or if you go your own way, here's what God will do. And he did that many times in Scripture. He said, hey, you can choose to go this way, but if you go this way, here's what's going to happen. And so we've been talking about having guidelines, and we shared a behavioral contract, and that's where we left off, I believe, last time. So we're on the fourth point. And it's this, the authority must gain attention before giving instruction. You know one of the things that a, prob, a, a parent often has as a problem, and by the way, I think we, we all do, sometimes we don't have someone's attention when we try to give them instructions. And so they don't do them. They don't do it right. And we're surprised or we say, oh, well, see, they got a problem. Well, at least that's what the world says. The world says, ah, oh, they, they got an illness. They got a problem. They can't pay attention. And, and again, as a dad, I would have said that was true of, of my kids. My dad would have said that of, of all the kids in our family. And every parent in, throughout history would have said the same thing. My kids have a hard time paying attention. But if you're going to help them, then you've got to make sure you have their attention when you give instruction, when the kids were still in the house. I might, you might have heard in our house something like, Daniel, go get all the trash and take it out to the trash can. And then take the trash can out to the road. Now, as a dad, if I gave that instruction, if five minutes later it wasn't done, would I have the right as a dad to correct my son? And you say, yes. Well, actually, that's kind of yes and no. If my son was into something and he didn't hear me, if I was yelling into another room, if I didn't have his attention, then quite frankly, it's hard for me, and I shouldn't be correcting someone over something that they didn't hear. Now, if he has selective hearing, then there's another issue. And I know wives tell, uh, tell everyone else that their husbands have selective hearing, and we're not going to go off on that subject this evening. Um, that could be, wives would all say that could be a message for another time. All right. Um, so we won't go off on, on that any further, but we will say this. It, authority always needs to gain attention before they give instruction. Now, here's when I could discipline Daniel if that were the situation, if that were the time. If I, I did something like this, uh, Daniel, put your book down and listen to me. 
Daniel, I want you to go and take the trash out from all the trash cans into the main trash can and then take it out to the road because they're going to be collecting the trash tomorrow morning. Now, if I did that and I know my son heard me, then here's the truth. I've got to correct him if it's not done because I'm not a consistent a loving father teaching my child that there's punishment that comes when you disobey. But the fact of the matter is I have to make sure that he has heard. And do you know when dealing with ADHD people, ECP uh, people, uh, it is important that you take the time to make sure you have their attention. And this is what's interesting to me. Even if we're not talking about, uh, even if we're talking about some children who actually have medical reasons why they have difficulty paying attention. Not, not the, the, the chemical imbalance ADHD stuff, but maybe a child with, with Down syndrome or some other child that has physical difficulties. It is amazing how well they can learn to obey and follow instructions if they're simple enough when they're given concisely, when they're given clearly, and when they have the attention of a child and how they can learn to obey even though they may actually have physical reasons that affect how well they can pay attention and do right. But it has to be a parent who's willing and an adult and someone who's in charge and authority who has enough concern and love for people to do what they need to do. Here's something else, another way you can help, number five. And, and by the way, you might say, well, again, I don't have any kids or whatever. Don't, I can't have impact on my grandkids. Well, God may give you an opportunity to help someone someday. So these are things to be thinking about. The authority must, number five, make tasks manageable. Make tasks manageable. It's not just gaining attention before you give instruction, but then make it manageable. Um, I just mentioned this a few moments ago. 1 Corinthians 10.13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I also mentioned Psalm 103, verse 14. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Now, those verses, both of them, remind us that God deals with us in this way. He makes sure that every task he gives us in life is manageable. He remembers our frame. He knows what our abilities are. He knows what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are. And he deals with us thus. He knows exactly what we can take, how much pressure we can face, how many difficulties we can handle, how great a difficulty we can handle. And he always makes a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. And in both cases, when God deals with us, in both those verses, when God deals with us, he deals with us in the understanding that, hey, look, we can't handle everything. You know, if, if, God, if God has entrusted you with someone who, a child who is especially difficult, okay, God knows all about that, and he deals with you by understanding and making things manageable for life. And I'm thankful for that, and I have to remind myself of that all the time like when I'm tempted in a temptation or in a problem, to say, oh, this is too much for me. These people are too much for me. This situation is too much for me. I can't handle it. The only thing I can do is give in. Because God makes everything manageable in life. 
So here's the, the, the relation. Every child has so much they can do. Uh, it, it may depend on their age. It may just depend on their, their mental capacity. It may depend upon their, um, actually, their, their ability and their capacity to do things. There's only certain things that, that a child can do. And a parent, a wise parent, needs to make things manageable. You know, a lot of parents do it themselves because, well, it takes my kids so long to do it. And do you realize, in, in reality, you're, you're, you're hurting yourself? Um, it's amazing to me to see parents, and, and maybe you've seen this before, parents uh, picking up for a child that's, that's 10 years old. There is no reason a parent should ever have to pick up the house at all for a child that's 10 years old. A child that's 10 can take care of that, even one with limited mental ability. And I'm not making fun of, of that. You say every kid 10 years old is that way. No, there's just no reason. A, a four-year-old kid can pick up their room. It's manageable for most every four-year-old child. The reason they don't learn it is because a lot of times a parent hasn't taken the time to make it manageable, start small, and do the work that's necessary so that they learn with maybe just a few things to put things away, and then the next time a little bit more and a little bit more, and given greater responsibility and making things manageable. Now look, if God does that with us, we can do that with, with kids, we can do that with people we're trying to help. So if you're going to help people with e ECP, I say ESP. I keep wanting to say that. I don't know why. I have no idea. But uh, ECP. Uh, then if we're going to deal with them, we need to deal with them and make things manageable. Uh, here's, here's the fifth the, the fifth or sixth, sixth thing, letter F or whatever. I don't even know what it is in your outline, all right? And, and this goes right along with that, not only making it manageable, but don't do it for them. The authority must not do it for them. Only one thing I hate more than a screaming child in a, in a store. And it's a parent who says, oh, please don't cry, or stop crying, or no, we're not going to get that. And then, like, two minutes later, they pick it up and put it in the cart so the kid stops crying. It's the only thing I, 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 I despise more than the kid crying. Uh, now, uh, God, uh, God works with us. He gives us rules in the Bible. He reveals the consequences of our choices. And then, look, what happens after that is up to us to decide. And, and we need to do the very same thing. And authority must not do it for them. Kids need to learn to do the task. So you give them a task of cleaning their room. If it's not done, you don't go in and do it for them. Here's what you do. You correct them, and then you make them clean their room. And if they don't finish a job, you correct them again. And you make them finish cleaning up their room. You say, well, pastor, why don't you just go ahead and pick things up if you gave them correction because you're not solving the problem? You see, they may end up choosing the discipline so they don't have to clean up. And you don't want that. You want them to be disciplined and learn that they got to clean up anyway. Then it's like a double whammy. I don't know how else to put it, but... It's like, well, I don't want it because, see, I'm going to get correction, and then i got to do it anyway. Yes, never, never do it for them. In fact, 
That even is in line with the next point. Authorities must make ECPs finish the task given. Um, I, I think we had this situation happen happen once, and I'm not even going to mention name of kid, all right, because um, I don't want to do that. But um, one of our kids didn't finish their meal. I think it was green beans or something to that effect. Well, if they didn't finish their meal, they were expected to do that. It wasn't that they couldn't eat them. They just didn't want to eat them or whatever. So uh, they went into the room, and they got correction. I always chose the word correction. I like the idea of correction rather than spanking. That was the word, word we always use because I'm trying to correct things. And uh, so we got correction, and what did we do? Well, my wife didn't take that and, and throw, out, throw out the food. Uh, it was getting colder every time, but... The, the, the child, I better say the child, not he or she, it, okay. <laughs> Doesn't sound right, does it? Okay, the child, I didn't mean that to be bad. All right, the, the child was made to come out again and sit at the table. And I think that happened a couple times. I mentioned my brother-in-law with his son. Happened a couple times. Uh, the beans were getting colder, and it was getting less, less fun to eat them. But here, here's the thing. The child needed to learn to finish the task. What your responsibility is, you got to finish this. So if it takes, you know, three or four corrections and you still are going to go out and you say, well, well, well the, the food's getting nasty. Hmm? Yeah. So next time, you aren't going to go through three spankings, three correction times. Am, am I right? Come on. Any, any child with half a brain is going to figure this out. Then I'm going to have to finish the task. I'm going to have to make this right. I'm going to have to do this even after, um, you know, even after the correction is done. So, hey, um, the authority needs to make them finish the task that's been given. Um, and, and, and listen, that's how we help people change. And that's how we, we deal with, and that's how we uh, help children learn to pay attention. And the truth is, there are ways in which we can incorporate many of these things, even with those who are older, who struggle with and, and act like, well, I've got some sort of disease. I've got some sort of illness that, that causes me to be this way. No, uh, if they're an adult in that way, it's because you didn't have parents that, that taught you right and took the time and did the things that are right, and now you're going to pay for it with a lot more, if you would, a lot more difficulty and a lot more personal discipline that's going to be needed in your life. But I'm going to help you to be accountable, and I'm going to help you to develop this, this matter of being able to pay attention and to finish tasks and do the things you're supposed to do. And that is exactly what people say folks with ADHD can't do, but they can. And God says they can and that's how we help people change. And whether it's dealing with an adult, whether it's dealing with a child, um, these things are basic, they're simple, they're things that, well, yeah, I know that, but you know what? A lot of parents just don't do them. They give their kid correction for not cleaning up their room and then mom's in there putting stuff away while the kid's out playing. And the kid said, it's far better to get a few licks and be able to go out and play than to spend 20 minutes cleaning up my room. Because they just haven't learned responsibility. And then the parent wonders why the kid doesn't pay attention. We 
were at a, uh, we were at a pizza place with the Rosses the other the other night. We're sitting at the table, um, and I was having trouble with Mr. Ross. No, no. Uh, <laughs> this family guy, man, I had to spank him three times before he finished his food. Um, Mark, if you're listening, forgive me. I just lied. Okay. Um, but um, this family comes in uh, at the table next to ours. And actually, it's not a family. I think it was grandma and grandpa. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it was grandma and grandpa. Uh, a girl and a boy, so a total of four. And, and this girl, for the entire time until the pizza came out, which was probably 15 minutes or whatever, is, is on, her, on her phone doing stuff. And before the, the grandfather and the, and the boy uh, went through the line and everything else to order the pizza, this grandmother was, was talking with, and again, I think it was the grandmother, granddaughter, talking with the granddaughter and told her something. No response. This is gross. Did, did you hear me? Did you hear me? Did you hear me? There's a real serious failure here. And, and here's the truth. It's not that this girl couldn't pay attention. It's that this girl was taught she can get away with not paying attention. And had mom and dad been working with her, and maybe even grandma and grandpa, that wouldn't have been an issue. And you know those things happen. You've seen them too. I've seen it plenty of times. And it just was reminded about it this past week as we were sitting at, at the table. And, 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 and it's like, you know, girl, put that down. I want to tell her, put that down and pay attention. Maybe I should have. <laughs> I could have, could have solved a lot of problems. And then I probably would have been yelled at for doing what grandma should have done and mom and dad should have been doing a long time ago. Put the phone down, you pay attention. And by the way, that's not helping people learn to pay attention either. When they're just in their own little world doing their own thing and they're not made to sit and listen to someone and have, hold on a conversation. You, you know, at that table, I don't think they had a conversation at all. That's sad. But, but there were, was no conversation going on because this girl was just in her own little world, and it shouldn't be that way. Um, so, and I, boy, there could be a lot of illustrations of that, and I'm sure you could even tell some good ones yourself. But, but here's the truth. Uh, ADHD is not a medical problem. It's a spiritual problem, and it's dealt with by people who love God and who take the time and do the work put forth to help someone who doesn't pay attention learn to pay attention with God's help and by God's means. And that's what Ephesians 6, 4 is all about when God says bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if we would just learn to take situations like that and every other thing where they keep telling us this is a disease and just look at the Bible and say, what does God say? We'll find that God has the answer for a lot of things that people say are diseases and illnesses that no one can do anything about. God tells us we can, and we ought. And by his grace, 
may we be doing that and may we help others who are struggling to understand and do what they ought to do for the glory of God because we're talking about lives here. Because if a girl at age 12 or whatever age she was isn't paying attention, do you know how many jobs she's going to go through when, she's, when, when she gets out in the workforce? She hasn't learned to pay attention. And, and uh, she's not going to be able to hold down a job. She's not going to be able to manage life. How can you have a marriage? I guess both of them on their phones live in life that way, and some do. So let's just please the Lord. And, and that's kind of the challenge as we, as we look at this. Let's find what God says, whatever the, the controversial subject is, and let's then live in light of that truth. And I hope those things will help you to either help others or just have firmly in your mind what God says about that subject. Let's pray. Thank you.